Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You say, what's going on today? Today's weird. Well, that's all right. You know, they often say that churches take on the personality of their pastor. Karen is nodding her head while putting lipstick on. That is really talented. Literally, she's back there going like this. Okay, because you were kind of mocking me, and I really was wishing to see it go like this, you know. Hey, um, all right, we're going to, um, I've been been wrestling all yesterday and today what to preach today, and and I don't know why, because normally I'm pretty directed in terms of what I'm going to have and prepared, and it's not a matter of do I have something I can preach, it's a matter of what I should preach. How I many know there's a difference, okay? And, and I just was really pondering it, and I'm like, I just, I've never became settled in my spirit until about three minutes ago. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, right? Actually, I'm okay flying like that. But turn with me. I, I've actually been wanting to preach this, and sometimes you want to preach something, but you don't know when you're going to preach it. And I really believe the Lord said, now's the time, preach it today. And so we're going to do it. Go with me, Luke chapter 8. Grab a Bible. I do not have a keynote. I do not have a presentation on the screen because it was just confirmed three minutes ago. All right? And had Troy been in the spirit, he would have one prepared. (laughs) We, uh, let me me talk to you for a moment. We just spent uh, Thursday and Friday, the staff and I, myself, we went away for two days and just... Haven't done that in a while where it's just us and it wasn't necessarily a conference or anything like that. But we just went out and we had a little theme. It was called Connect. And uh, the idea of that was just for us to, I mean, you know, COVID has been a disconnecting era where, where people are disconnecting from each other and disconnecting from this or that. And we got together just so we could reconnect with each other in a way, reconnecting with God, refocusing and connecting on some things that he was giving us as far as vision and strategizing and so forth. And, and we had a great time. Um, if you're with us, you're going to laugh. I promise you that. Wait, let me give you a couple illustrations of that. So on Thursday, one of the things that I wanted to do was take us all and go to the Flight 93 Memorial, right? Some of us had been there. Some of us hadn't been there. And I thought, let's just go to that place and, you know, such a compelling story that when you go there and what a sobering place it is for all the people that died in that plane as well as many other places on 9-11. And... Um, and, you know, one of the themes that come out of that for me, when you listen to and you read the transcription, you know that people died trying to save that plane, is um, they were destined to die. But in so doing, they saved lives. How many know we're all destined to die? How many know we, better, we might as well save lives as we go? Amen? But, but we're looking around there. And then we went, if you've ever been there, you know there's the trail that goes out around that you can walk and so forth and so on. And so we did the walk. And when we got down to the visitor center, I thought, man, you know, I, I should just go up and get the van for everybody. I should just hustle it up. I'll go up and I'll get the van. And that way everybody won't have to ride and go back up the whole way and so forth. So I did. And, and Teresa and John decided to go with me. And we were just hustling up that trail. Bum, bum, bum. Never done, done, done. Got to a dead end. Teresa, I thought you said this trail went up there. Now where are we going to go? Because they don't want you walking through the meadows. But to go back would have been like way back there. The guy in the mower, he's the guy that's in supervisor of the work. I said, dude, how do I get up to that building? He said, you're supposed to go that way. I said, oh. He said, and I'm not going to tell you you can't go through that meadow. Help me know. We went through that meadow. 
But you gotta say, it was kind of funny. It's a long ways through there. We're going through, it's this high, you know, stomping over stuff, laughing like idiots because we missed that up. And then we get to the house and we're staying there. It was time to go out in the boat, have a boat ride. This will be fun. This will be great. And so we get out on the boat and we're just having a nice old. And all of a sudden, it's like the heavens opened up. Like without warning, just like. Now, I got to tell you, some of the ladies weren't all that thrilled about it. I, on the other hand, thought it was hilarious. And I couldn't, I, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Because I am just laughing like an idiot. And then the same day, I think what happened, oh, then the power went out because of the storm. I mean, we were just having a grand old time. But we had a good time. And we uh, really were able to focus on some things. And, um, you know, sometimes you just do need to take some time away to reconnect everything. Amen. Luke 8, let me give you a title if I could. When the system runs out, there's Jesus. When the system runs out, there's Jesus. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you thought you had it all figured out, where you had a plan, where you had a plan, you had a goal, you had a picture of what it was going to be, you had a picture of what the future was going to be, and all Hey, Judah's, ah, Judah's in the house. Hold him up, man. Hold that boy up. Stand up and hold him up high so everybody can see him. How old is he? So I was going to say six months, right? He was born right in that era when COVID started. And he hasn't been in the house much, right? Yeah, he's six months. And your grandpappy is 50, 60 and a half months older than you. Tommy had a birthday this weekend. Happy birthday. But listen to me. When your system runs out, we all got a system. We all have a plan. We all have a, a system of belief, a system of living, a system of whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, something happens in your life that you never expected. Something happens in your life that takes you completely by uh, um, surprise or something happens in your life that your system can't fix it. You can't fix it. Anybody got, some thing, anybody got some things in your life you'd like to fix right now? Anybody got some people in your life you'd like to fix right now? <laughs> right? Penny would be one of those, right? But what do you do when it runs out? Okay, let's take a look at this. Luke chapter 8, right? And Jesus returned, verse 40, and Jesus returned, and the people welcomed him, for they had been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he was an official of the synagogue. And he fell at Jesus' feet, and he began to implore him to come to his house. Now, you got to understand something. This is an amazing thing to have happen. Jairus was a synagogue roller. <clears throat> understand something. If you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible tells us at that time, they threw you out of the synagogue. You wanted to be a member of the synagogue. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you were actually put out and thrown out of that synagogue. Because how many know Jesus was an enemy of the religious institution? That's not him making himself an enemy. How many know that he was an enemy to a corrupt religious system that had taken root? And now here he is, and every time he's preaching, it's coming against the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the leaders of the law. And now this one who was an affront to their system now has one of the men of their system coming and falling at his feet. Why? The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us this. Because he had an only daughter about 12, who was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where do you go 
when your daughter's dying? Where do you go when the fruit of your life is expiring? Where do you go when the fruit of your womb is expiring? Where do you go when the things that are birthed into your life are dying? And the thing is, you're the synagogue leader. You're the religious leader. You're one of the leaders of the religious institution. Yeah, yeah, you can bet he prayed. You can bet he tried praying, right? And you can bet he tried a lot of things, but nothing that he did in the system within which he was entrenched could do anything about his problem. And when you get to the end of your system, the good news is Jesus is there. When you get to the end of your thinking, Jesus is there. When you get to the end of your structure, how many know we like to build a structure? When you get to the end of yourself, Jesus is there. When you get to the end of what you have created, Jesus is there. You see, there's going to be a little theme here this morning. Can you get it what it is already? You see, I want to tell you something this morning. When your husband walks out on you, Jesus is there. When your wife walks out on you, Jesus is there. When your children rebel against you and reject you, Jesus is there. When your health runs out on you, Jesus is still there. When your money runs out, Jesus is there. I I, got to tell you this morning that the great news is that when you get to the end of it and it runs out, Jesus is there. Because listen to me, people who get to the end of something and Jesus isn't there for them, many of them end their own life. Many of them end, many quit, many give up. And I've got to give you a word of hope this morning because I don't know why, but some of you this morning, you're sitting here and you said, my system has run out. I have got to the end of this and this has happened and that has happened. But I want you to hear me this morning. Jesus is still there. He's there. And this man who got to the end of the system, his daughter is dying. He comes and does the unthinkable for the religious crowd. For the religious group in which he was hanging, he does the unthinkable. He comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus. This morning, I want to remind you what you did. This is kind of interesting. (laughs) I didn't have these two connected until now. This morning, I want to remind you what you did. I asked you to have a seat for a moment, to position yourself at the feet of Jesus and to hear from the Spirit of the living God. And now we're putting this in the scriptures where Jairus came and Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus. And he begs him, come to my house. (laughs) A man who was part of driving people out of the synagogue for believing in Jesus now falls at the feet of Jesus and says, would you come to my house? Kind of a paradox, isn't it? And what does Jesus do? when you get to the end of your system and you ask him to intervene. What does he do? He comes and intervenes. When you call, I will. When you call, I will. Okay, it's getting better. When God tried to bring this side in with me. (laughs) When you call, okay, the scripture says, when you call, I will answer. Right? Watch this. 
So he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. Now, understand this for a moment. Here comes Jesus. Jesus is at the feet. He, Jairus is at the feet of Jesus. And, and he says, come to my house. My little girl is dying. Jesus says, okay, let's go. And you're on your way. How many of you are excited that Jesus is coming with you? How many of you are excited that Jesus is going to come, and he's going to intervene, and he's going to do something about your little girl who's dying? Aren't you excited? Right? And then watch what the Bible says. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately his hemorrhaging stopped. Her hemorrhaging stopped. All of a sudden, now understand something. Jairus is a synagogue leader. He's an important person. He's got money, influence, and position. He comes to the end of all that, falls at his feet, begs Jesus to come heal the woman or the, the, the little girl. Jesus says, yes, I will come and heal the little girl. But on the way, all of a sudden, there's this woman, okay, that the Bible tells us was bleeding for 12 years, which made her ceremonially unclean. She couldn't even go to the synagogue, right? Now comes up and goes to the crowd and touches the cloak of Jesus. You see, here's what you got to understand. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that she hemorrhaged for 12 years. Bleeding, anemic, weak. Some of you this morning, you're weak and wore out. And you're anemic. And you've been bleeding. And power has left you. And at the end of that, there's Jesus. She could not be healed by anyone. Another part of Scripture says that she spent all she had at the doctor's. You would spend all you could to, get, to, to be healed of this weak, anemic condition that she was in. This weak, anemic condition that left her powerless, with, left her broke, with, left her without any money, that left her in an unclean state, that she was not allowed to be touched and couldn't touch anyone. And yet here she was, sneaking through the crowd to touch the hem of the garment. Hmm. And she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak and immediately... Her bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who's the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus says, someone touched me, for I'm aware that power has gone out of me. Understand this. There was a crowd and there was a mob around him so close that they were pressing against, pressing against him, literally pressing against him. Okay, touching, everybody's touching him. You, you understand, people are reaching out to try to touch him. And they're pressing, and he's trying to walk, and people are bumping into him. And it's just, it's just, just this is just how it was. I'm telling you how it was. No, 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 you're not, because you're Jesus. Okay, okay you, Jesus don't push back. What is that? <laughs> Lord, heal him right now, okay? He's going to push me back. Miss Pastor, I love you. I love you. I'm the woman. He didn't push her back. Okay. <laughs> but that's what was happening. It was so crowded. Two, play, two times in my life, I think, I experienced this. I told you about it a few weeks ago. One was Hong Kong. We prayed for people at the end of a service, 5,000 people. And at the end of this service, we're praying for people. And I'm telling you, I've never been mobbed like that in my life. People pressing against me, taking my hand, putting it on their head, putting it on their children's head. It was just wall-to-wall people. You had to step over people, around people. I'm going to tell you, it was an amazing atmosphere. The other time I think I ever experienced this was not spiritual. I was in the Cairo Museum. I was in King Tut's uh, display. Kind of funny. I was in Egypt. I'm in King Tut's display, and King Tut was in Philadelphia at that time. <laughs> All right? 
But I remember that this was amazing. Come here, Rick, let's do this again. Come on. Okay? And literally, I'm walking through King Tut's display, and I kid you not, the people were like this, wall to wall, pressing against you to get through all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This lady behind me was so close to me, I felt every curve of her body and didn't want to. Okay? <laughs> okay? I'm just telling you, all right? This is what was happening. Listen to me. It was a mob around Jesus. It was a crowd around Jesus. But let me say something to you this morning. Jesus draws a crowd, but not everybody in the crowd draws uh, power from Jesus. Every Sunday we gather together. Every Sunday churches across America gather together in the name of Jesus. Every, every Sunday that happens. And we, sometimes we sing about him and sometimes we sing to him. But not everybody touches him in a way that draws power from him. I mean this morning that there is a way to touch him that draws power from him. There is a way that draws power from Jesus that when we come to him in an attitude of faith, we come to him in an attitude of humility, there's a way in which we touch him that we draw power from him. Listen to me. We cannot come to him in arrogance. We cannot come to him with a plan because I tell you, the Bible says he rejects the proud. And sometimes we're too proud to touch Jesus in a manner in which we receive something. In her humility and her faith, she goes to the crowd and touches him. Jesus says, somebody touched me. I felt the power go out of me. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that Jesus never said, be healed? That Jesus never said, be whole at that moment? Jesus never said anything that power went out of him. It was, a, it was almost like, listen to me, this is weird. It was almost... Like there was a conditioned response in Jesus that responded to the condition of the woman. Do you know, as parents, you have a conditioned response to your kids? For the most part. I, I, I want you to know, I have a pretty conditioned response to my grandchildren. They put on those eyes. They put on that tone. They pretty much can get whatever they want. But it's built in me where it comes out of me automatically in responding to them. I really believe that there's a part of Jesus and his spirit that is an automated response from the father to the children. And he comes in this, she comes in an attitude of faith, desperation, humility, and power comes out. She did not come in a religious fashion. She did not come with a system. She came when the system was out. I mean, sometimes we get a system that we think God is confined to. And she touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus says, who touched me? And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him. And he declared in presence of all the people, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Where does faith drive you? Faith does not drive you to church, although it's good to go to church. Faith drives you to a person. Faith does not drive you to a system. Faith does not drive you to a doctrine, although we have good doctrine. Faith drives you always. Faith always drives you to a person. Faith always drives you to the person of Jesus. You see, 
This really doesn't go with this message, but I was pondering something else. The Bible talks about that Jesus has overcome the world. How many know that we're called to overcome? And what we are overcoming is the world's system, right? In this world system, we are overcoming the ways of the world, the belief of the world, the thinking of the world. But where is my faith that overcomes the world? My faith that overcomes the world is always first and foremost in the person of Jesus, right? It is always first and foremost. And my faith is predicated upon, I believe he is good. I believe he is truth. I believe he is just. You see, it is the person in whom I put my faith because I believe he's good. I believe he's just. I believe he's righteous. I believe he's true. And then secondly, then because I believe that about him, I then put my faith in a kingdom not of this world which then means I operate contrary to the kingdoms of the world. Now I operate according to the kingdom, not of this world, rather than the ways of the world. Faith is in a person and in the culture of the person. And how many know the kingdom is the culture of the king? And so here comes this woman. She touches him, and as she gets to him, and faith is drawn out of him. Faith, healing is drawn out of him. And he looks at her, and she's afraid. Why is she afraid? Because she did the unthinkable. Do you know she could have been stoned? Do you know that she was unclean ceremonially? Do you know he was a rabbi? Do you know he was a man? And yet here she came in this moment and reaches out and touches him, which ceremonially could have made him unclean. Can I tell you something this morning? While Jesus is perfect, he is never too clean for the unclean to touch him. He is never too clean for the unclean to touch him. As a matter of fact, I would say to you this morning, this is what I would say to you, that he wants you to come to him. You who are unclean, he wants you to come and touch him so that he, the clean, can make the unclean clean. Some people walk around with this notion that they're too dirty for Jesus. That they're too sinful for Jesus. It's just not the case. He says, listen, now, listen to me, now go in peace. Isn't it amazing how the two things go together, her healing of her body and the state of her countenance? I, want, I, I believe right now, listen to me, Jesus wants some of you to leave today with peace that you didn't walk in with. Peace. Peace is a state that comes from him. Okay, while he was still speaking, he's still speaking to her. Now watch what happens. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official, Jairus' house, and this is the news. Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble him anymore. Man, there's news you don't want to get. There's news that no parent ever wants to hear. There's news that'll crush your heart and break your heart. There's news that'll turn your world upside down. One of the things I talked with the staff about was looking at that Flight 93 and all the other things that happened on 9-11 is that how many families in a moment's notice their worlds were turned upside down because dad didn't come home and mom didn't come home, brother didn't come home, a sister didn't come home, a son, a daughter didn't come home, on and on you could go. That lives were turned upside down in an instant. Their lives would never be the same. And now Jairus gets that news. Don't bother him. She's dead. How many of you, let me, let me take a poll. 
Let me take a poll. How many of you here, if you were Jairus, might have been ticked off at the lady? Okay. The middle, you're the righteous crowd. <laughs> the fringes, they're like, okay. The middle, you're like, no, it's okay. Do you understand what happened? He's coming to your house. He's going to heal your little girl. And on the way, this no-account, unclean woman stops him, interrupts him, and now my little girl is dead. I'm ticked off at you. I'm ticked off at Jesus. I'm angry with God because it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. Hmm. Jesus heard this. He looked at him and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. And she'll be made well. Sometimes the faith that drives you to Jesus is the faith you need to stay with Jesus. Can I tell you that not all the time on the road with Jesus does everything always work perfectly. Have there been times, how how many of you know that there's a faith that gets us saved? And sometimes there's a need, there's a faith that keeps us saved. How many of you remember your wedding day? Like, okay, okay, some of you don't have fond memories of this. That that you have this, that that you had this love, and we're so in love, we're gonna get married. We're going to spend $50,000 and we're going to get married. Because we are so in love. There's the love that gets you married. And then you get married. And then you live life together. The ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the kids, the finances, the issues. And then there's a place where love gets forged that keeps you married. And how many know sometimes the love that keeps you married is greater than the love that got you married? Because it is the one that becomes forged through the struggle. It is the one that becomes forged, okay? We come and we give faith to Jesus. We put our life in his hands. We have a saving faith. But then there is a faith that gets worked out. And there's a faith that gets perfected as we go through the struggles of life. And we reach out to him and we still walk with him. And there's a faith that even takes us into a deeper level with him that, that, that becomes forged in the fire, you see, because there's times in the fire, there's times that the fire comes that you would never know Jesus is a certain dynamic if that would not have happened. You would not know him as the Jesus of the storm unless you went through a storm. You would not know him as the Jesus of the sea unless you went through the sea with him. And there's a faith that is forged out of the struggle. Because the testing of your faith develops, Troy, perseverance. Right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds for the testing of your faith. Right? And now he has a crisis of belief. They told me she's dead. Am I going to continue to believe? Am I going to continue to have him come to my home? Or am I going to just say, stay, ah, it's over? So they went to the house together. Jesus goes there. He goes into the room where the little girl's dying. And he didn't allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, and James. And the girl's father and mother. Right? 
So you got six people in that room with that little girl who's dead, right? But listen, here's what the Bible says. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, stop weeping for she has not died. She's asleep. Listen to me. How many know Jesus just spoke a declaration? How many know Jesus just spoke a word? She's not sleeping. She's not dead. She's sleeping. What do the unbelieving do? Bible says the unbeliever laughed. Look what it says. And they began laughing at him, knowing she had died. There, there will always be a response to Jesus and his word. There will always be a response to the word of God. The word of God will elicit faith or laughter. How many know there are people who laugh at you for your faith? That you have, how many of you have ever received a word from God and people doubted it, mocked it, laughed at it because they knew better based upon what they saw with their eyes and based upon what they saw in the natural. And I'll say to you, what they saw in their eyes and they saw in the natural was a dead girl. There are times in your life that in the natural you will see something as dead. You will see something as dormant. You will see something as lifeless. That you will see it for what the natural says that it is. But there are times in our life where we must come and we must see it by the eyes of Jesus. We must see it through this prism of Jesus because we must see it that way because there must be a faith that arises in us according to what he says about the situation. So he makes this declaration. And they laugh at him, and they mock him. And he ignores them. <laughs> he, doesn't even, he doesn't even respond to them. He responds to faith. He's not responding to them. I respond to faith. And he takes her by the hand, and he says, my child, arise. My child, wake up. My child, get up. Hmm. Here's an interesting thing about this. We call her Jairus' daughter. But how many know before she was Jairus' daughter, she was Jesus' daughter? Hmm? Before your kids were yours, they were his. He loves your kids more than you love your kids. Because his love is perfect. But he takes her by the hand. And he raises her to life. Look at this. This man who was a religious man. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Some of you in this house, I love you, everything in my being, but you're a religious person. You're not a spiritual person. You're checking boxes. You're going through a system. We believe a Sunday puts us in good, work, good, good standing with God. Oh, boy. I got to go to church because God won't be happy with me if I don't go to church. Listen to me. You should go to church. But God's still happy with you. We make it about a, a, a we, we make our life about a debit and credit system. Oh, I put enough credit in today. Oh my gosh, I did this. That's a debit. Credit, debit, credit, debit. We got this system we live by. We got a religious system. We do this, this we do, this we don't do. We, we, we used to say it like this. They used to say, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't grow, the girls will do. They used to, I mean, you used to hear that. We're going to add to it. Let's, let's see if we can add to it. We, we don't drink, we don't chew, we don't go where girls that do, and we don't get tattoos. 
No, I'm not preaching against that. And yes, never mind, don't go there today. The scripture you want to use to, to debunk those is not right. Okay, now, okay. Listen to me this morning. The point is, stop being religious and be spiritual. Religion worships a system and spiritual worships a person. And he's the person of Jesus Christ and we draw on the person, not the system. The system needs to lead us to a person. If the system leads you anywhere but a person, you are not worshiping Jesus. We don't need any more religious systems. And even, listen to me this morning, when you're saying, well, we're a Pentecostal charismatic church, yeah, and we can get as religious as the rest of them. And we can get as many systems as the next. It is the person that defines what we do. And now, he says, get up. And then he says to her, watch, watch, watch. Give her something to eat. <laughs> Give her something to eat. Come on, Troy. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what happened. I'm not going to go there. There's a reason for that, but listen to me. I want you to see a picture. I want you to see a picture from the church, for the church. We're talking about this as staff a little bit. We need a generation to encounter Jesus. Not a system of Jesus, Jesus. I mean, there's a difference. We need a generation, and all generations need it, don't get me wrong. But we have a younger generation that needs to encounter the person and power of Jesus Christ. And he wants to do that, amen? He desires to do that. But I will say to you this morning that it will not happen until the religious system bows at the feet of Jesus. Man, I never used that one before. Listen to me. A word's coming to me right now. When the system of religion bows at the feet of Jesus, a generation will be raised in the power of Jesus. When the system of going through the motions bows at the feet of Jesus. When a, season, when a system of apathy that breeds apathy and apostasy bows at the feet of Jesus, a generation will be raised to power. When a system that defies the power of God bows at the feet of Jesus, the power of God will come. I will never remember most of this for the second service. Can you just play the video then? Jesus is going to go heal and raise a, little, uh, raise a little girl, a generation to life in the power of God. But I want you to see the prophetic picture. You see, the number 12 throughout Scripture was often a governmental divine number. 12 apostles, 12 tribes, 12 stones on the ephod. 12, 12, 12. Jesus is on the way to heal and raise to life a 12-year-old girl. But on the way, before he can raise her to power, he's got to heal the weak, anemic issues of an older generation. A generation that is weak and anemic, bleeding, losing life. He wants to say, he wants to give power to 
You see, I believe with all of my heart that what Jesus wants to do in this hour is he wants to raise a generation to power while he heals the issues of another generation. But it won't come until you get to the end of your system. Because at the end of your system is Jesus. Because your system will leave you always wanting. A system without Jesus will always leave you unfulfilled. A system without Jesus will always leave you wanting. A system without Jesus will always leave you in doubt and confusion. A system without Jesus leads people to hopelessness. Some would look at this world and they look at the world's going on and they think it's hopeless. I got a really good friend, love him dearly. Sent me a text this morning. Wait till he hears I put him on stream. He's just remember Jesus foretold him. He's texting a group of us. He foretold the, his return. We're able to stay close and keep the faith. Remember, he is in control. He is not in control of this world system. If he would have been, they wouldn't have found 39 kids being sex trafficked in the South. He's not in control of that nonsense. He's not in control of that. That's a worldly thing. That's a world system. Everything in this world, he is not in control of. Stop giving him the credit for evil. But what am I saying? I'm almost done. In another three hours, we'll be out of here. We're just going to merge the two services. Here's the challenge this morning for you on a personal level. Are you at the end of a system? Are you at the end of a system where the system has run out? And the system can't fix the situation. I'm telling you, when you get to that place, there's only one place to turn, and it's Jesus. Now, I'm going to say something. You see, these, we read the story, we read the account. How many know it's a happy ending? Right? The little girl was raised to life. The woman with the issue of blood, she's restored and she's healed. Praise the Lord, everybody dance. Did you ever get to the place where things happened and it didn't seem to have the happy ending? The mother still died of cancer. The father still died of this. The wife this. The husband that. The child this. The child that. That can sometimes rob your, try to rob your faith, right? Right? And so what happens is, now the enemy of your soul then tries to overcome you with doubt, 
tries to overcome you with seed, your God isn't faithful. And he tries to overcome you so that now you will shrink back and walk away from Jesus, rejecting him and embracing the world. How many know the enemies will use the things of this world, the things that happen in your life, to get you to succumb to the ways of the world and reject Jesus? But this is what I will tell you. Even though it seems like it may not have had the ending that you wanted, the mere fact that you invite Jesus into your situation will determine how you go through the situation. Because listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, because you will still have joy and you will still have peace and you will still have faith and you will become like Job where a faith ramrod rises up in you and says, though he slay me, I will serve him. Because you've come to know who he is and whom you believe. And one day, huh, let me read the scripture to you and I'm done. Well, that's probably not true. read you the scripture because listen to me revelation everybody said Ooh. then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen this morning this earth that you're living in is one day going to pass away to everybody say amen right it's going to pass away and there's no longer any sea interesting a world without a sea and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now watch this. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. You ever wipe tears from your little girl's eyes? And there'll be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. And the first things, the things that we're living under, they're going to pass away. They're going to pass away. And he who sat on the throne said, I'm making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I'll give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Now, here's what the verse says. He who overcomes will inherit these things. He who overcomes will inherit the new heavens and the new earth. He who overcomes will inherit the city that comes down out of heaven. He who overcomes will inherit God dwelling among them. He who overcomes will what? Bible says, have every tear wiped, every pain taken away. There'll be no more crying, no more. There's a place, listen to me this morning. You are going through this world, but your faith in Jesus will enable you to overcome the world, and you will inherit the things not of this world that's of another dimension. This is not as good as it gets. This is not your end. The system may have ended. But there's a day on the horizon. There's a day on the horizon that those who put their faith in Jesus will inherit what he promised. What am I saying to you this morning? 
I have no idea. I'm just kidding. This portion of scripture shows us two people who came to the end of their system. One was a religious system, and the other one, medical system, whatever you want to call it. Came to the end of her finances, came to the end of the doctor's ability, came to the end. And both of them came to Jesus without a system. Without a system. And Jesus intervened. Sometimes, if I could say it, I believe there are times he can't intervene because we got a system between him and intervention. We got a system in between him and that situation. How many would say with me this say to me yeah, say that Troy? How many would say with me this morning, Jesus? I'm at the end of my system. I'm at the end of my system. For some, and I'm going to be bold, stop being religious. Be spiritual. Be led by the Spirit of the living God who dwells within you. And some, you have to come to the end of a world system. Jairus came to the end of a religious system. The woman came to the end of a world system where her healing couldn't be found in doctors or money. And when you get to the end of those systems, I promise you, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. Bow your heads. Jesus, we come to you today. You didn't say, here's a system to the way, truth, and life. You said, I am the way, truth, and life. You said, I am the way, truth, and life. And Father, we come this morning and we would say as a corporate body, we would say in our individual hearts, Father, I, I, I have some systems that I have installed. And listen, I'm not talking about practices and spiritual disciplines. I'm not talking about that. Those things are good. But these systems that don't require faith in Jesus, there are systems that have been created that don't require faith in Jesus. Jairus was a religious man. He had a religious system. The religious system was not based upon faith in Jesus. But that system ran out and had no answers. It could not fix what was wrong in his life. So, Father, today we would say, Father, we repent of our religious systems. We repent of our religious ways. We repent of the things that point us to you have become gods themselves. And Father, we come to the end of our worldly systems where we got our confidence and our faith in monies and other things of this world. These things of the world that have still left us in a weak and anemic condition, bleeding, dying, We say today, I repent of trusting in those worldly ways. Trust me, what she did wasn't necessarily wrong. 
but it still left her in the same condition. We would say to you this morning, Jesus, I'm at the end of my system. And I draw on you. I'm at the end of my system, and I fall at your feet. I'm at the end of my system, and I touch the garment. ask you to do something. I have had this message in my spirit for weeks. Some of you know it. I've talked about it. I didn't know how it was going to come out. didn't know when it was going to come out. Today's the day. If you're here this morning and you look at God and you say to Jesus, my system has run out. My faith is in you. Just stand up. Now this morning you're just saying, I, I, I got to the end of a system, man, and this hasn't worked, and that hasn't worked, and this isn't fixed, and that isn't fixed. And I need you, Jesus. And my faith is in you, the person. My faith is in you, the person, not in a system that points me to you. Everybody was touching Jesus when they thronged around him, but only one drew power out of him. And today, you're making a declaration to Jesus. I believe you are the one that can heal my body. I believe the one that you can touch my mind. I believe that you are the one that can touch my daughter, touch my son, touch my this, whatever it is, that you are the one. I believe that this morning. You see, the system has left you believing that you've done something wrong, and that's why this has happened. Today you say, I'm at the end of the system and I need Jesus. And my faith points me to a person. If that's you, stand up.